Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crucial Talks podcast, where we believe if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. I'm Mike Saddam, and I have a quick favor to ask. If you could please subscribe to the podcast and review it, I'd greatly appreciate it. Today, we have a special guest, Jason Lauritsen. Now, Jason has just come out with a new book called Unlocking High Performance, How to Use Performance Management to Engage and Empower Employees to Reach Their Full Potential. Now, it just came out on Monday, so it's pretty good that we get to talk to him so soon after the release. Now, I think we're going to get some great value from Jason because what he talks about as a speaker and what he writes about as an author fits squarely within the focus of the Crucial Talks podcast. Here, we talk about a strength-based approach to human behavior, and we like to use a positive lens to have an impact on decision-making, and that's why it's so great that Jason is our guest. He focuses on making work better, and what I love about Jason is it's not just his focus, but it truly is his passion. It's his calling, and if you look at some of the work he's doing, it all surrounds the experience people have at work. He wants people to have a rewarding and fulfilling work experience. So if you go to his website, www.jasonlauritsen.com, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, you'll see that he identifies the issue in most workplaces that organizations are stuck in outdated mindsets and beliefs. And that goes right along with the Crucial Talks podcast and how we talk about perception and how people construct reality with each other. It's all about the mindset. And you'll also see that he has come up with some solutions through employee engagement, what he speaks about and what he talks about in his book. And since we spent so much time at work, it's a huge benefit to think about how we can make our experience of work much better while also improving performance. And that's why it's great to have Jason on the show. So without further ado, please welcome Jason Lauritsen to the Crucial Talks podcast. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad we get to talk to you about some of this stuff because it's so important in what's going on in workplaces really around the world. So before we get into what we want to talk about today, which is really your book, it's got a lot of good value in there. And before we get into some of that, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about yourself and how you got so focused on helping people have better experiences at work. Yeah, that's... um... It's a great question. I, you know, it's sort of, I always like to, to inquire with people at our house. I have, I have a couple small kids and so we're big into uh superhero, you know, movies and, and uh, TV shows and whatnot. So it's, you know, understanding the origin story is always important to understanding the superhero. Right. And so for me, my origin story goes back to really I, early on coming out of, out of uh, college stumbling through a bunch of really terrible work experiences, um, you know, places where I didn't feel like I was treated very well or that the way that they, the way that they sort of aligned my own um, work experience or created my day-to-day or kind of supported me as an employee just didn't make any sense. It didn't feel very good to me. I didn't feel like I was set up for success. It felt like it was always about what was beneficial to them and not really what was beneficial to me. And then I stumbled my way into, kind of by accident, uh, into recruiting, into uh, third-party recruiting, headhunting. And as I was helping companies, you know, as I, I'd come in to help a company figure out 
how to go help or go find them the person to fill this need. Part of what I wanted to understand was how, you know, why is this position open? What is it about this position that, you know, uh, led to it being open? Why did the person leave all of that? And what I, what I came to start realizing is that more I dug into that so much of the time I was coming in to be, I was being hired to help them find another person uh, to join the company. But the reason the person was gone was dysfunction. I mean, there was dysfunction internally. It was because of a bad manager or bad compensation or a bad other sorts of bad situations. And over a period of time, I got pretty frustrated that I only had essentially one solution. I could only, you know, try to put, you know, a person in there who I thought maybe was best suited to try to survive the dysfunction really became my sort of mode of operation is find someone who could perform and survive. Um, but I, I got tired of that. And ultimately, I really wanted to to get inside the machine and help solve those problems because it seemed like there was an awful lot of people having terrible work experiences. And it, it seemed so silly in most cases. It seemed like things that that were unnecessary. And that led me into, eventually that led me into getting into corporate HR. I spent almost 10 years as a corporate HR leader. And now I, you know, now I also realize that I'm not really cut out to be an employee. I'm not very good at uh, being an employee, but I like helping organizations create better experiences for other people. And so eventually after three tours, three different companies in HR, I decided I was better suited as a full-time speaker and advisor and writer because I could impact more people in more workplaces that way. And so, so kind of somewhere along the way, I devoted my life to this quest of making work more human um, because I, I felt like work didn't need to suck and we could do something about it. Well, and I think a lot of people, I think that resonates with a lot of people, myself included, that we've spent time in different workplaces. We see our friends, we hear the stories, all of that stuff that makes the workplace kind of a, some people have a negative view on it. And it sounds like what you're saying is, hey, through your experience, you've been able to figure out that it's not really the person per se, but it's something going on within the organization or within that team, within that group, where you're trying to find somebody to go into that, that job, that there's something going on there that's keeping, keeping people from sticking around and making that job hard to fill. So what did you find that were issues with workplaces? Uh, you know what? I took, it took me, you know, th that question probably took me 10 or 15 years to answer, uh, to be honest, because it was at least at a, at a, where I am today, right? The, the, what I would argue in my book today is that it's a broken system. It's a system level issue or a model of work issue is the, is the reason that it's been so bad for so long or why we still have so many workplaces that aren't working the way that they could. Um, but early on, it was things like, you, you know, as I got into HR and you start looking around, you realize managers aren't, you know, people, people show up to work and they're, they're not being given very good direction on what they're supposed to be doing or what success looks like. They're not very well supported. They don't have someone advocating for them or, or coaching or developing them on a regular basis. Um, there, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty about the work experience that creates some really gross emotions, if you will, about work. And so, um, so that, that was the early, you know, that, that, those were the early signs and that's the kind of stuff that continues to show up as we would go talk to employees. If you did focus groups or surveys or even one-on-one -on -one interventions, when you talk to employees, that stuff came up over and over and over again. And eventually, um, as I, 
as you know, I did my, my tours in HR, then I went, um, did some consulting for a while. Then ultimately I got to work for a company, a technology company that did the, the technology behind a bunch of behind best places to work, um, programs across the, the U S and got to see a bunch of data, um, broadly. Right. So I got to kind of get into the macro level and as I started to get to see that data, it finally clicked in for me that the problem that we have fundamentally is that most, most employers, most leaders of uh, organizations that employ people still think of and treat work as if it is a contract with the employee. So that, you know, they, we provide pay and benefits in exchange for your time and effort. It's a contractual transactional relationship and the entire system is built around, you know, they have this whole management system and HR system built around making sure they get their money's worth out of the employee. But what all of the data about employee engagement and employee experience at work, employee satisfaction tells us is employees don't experience work as a contract. They experience work more like a relationship. They want to be valued and, appreciated and cared for and trusted and they need to trust the people that they work with and work for. And so when you put those two together, it becomes pretty obvious where the breakage is, right? If I'm, if I show up to work every day wanting to be, you know, loved and cared for and appreciated and I'm treated like I'm in a contract, that is not a recipe for a, a positive outcome or a positive relationship. And so I think that's what's at the root of all of it and where we have to go in order to fix it. Absolutely. Um, we've talked a lot about it on the Crucial Talks podcast before, which is really the social drivers behind human behavior, that we are social storytellers. We crave social belonging. We crave this feeling of, of being together, and we actually need it as a species. Like We need to feel togetherness, and that's why I found it so interesting on what you said, because the lens workers are looking through is a lens of this belonging, these social drivers, but the lens of the bigger system, the employers, the companies, that sort of thing is more transactional. And it kind of leads me back to the industrial revolution and people being thought of as a cog in the machine and how that kind of propagated throughout this country and other countries where we thought, hey, people can be just like a broken part of a machine. If they're broken, you just replace them. And what you're saying is that, hey, it's not the transaction of you get paid to do a job to do the job, but it's more of a social contract as opposed to a, a money-driven contract. It's something where we, we have to look at it from that point of view of valuing people and giving people that feeling of trust. Is, am I hearing that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I don't, I don't you know, social contract, I, I, I get away from the whole idea of contract, but I understand the the implication in that is that in in a social contract or a true social contact contract in a relationship or in a group, it's a reciprocal agreement, right? We're we are mutually well, and the reason I don't like contract is that that implies that it's not an intrinsic commitment to one another, and I think that's the difference here is that you know, in a healthy relationship between two people, whether it's your spouse or with your best friend or whoever, you are in, you are intrinsically, you've intrinsically decided um, or you have an intrinsic motivation of commitment to, or a reciprocal kind of commitment with this other person. So I am investing, I'm willing to invest of myself in your happiness and well-being, and you are willing to do the same for me. And we, we legitimately care for each other and want each other to succeed. And so that, I think it's that reciprocal loop that is broken 
in the workplace and that the workplace, um, the employer often wants what's best for the employee so long as it can immediately translate into performance or results that I value right now as the employer, but it doesn't extend often beyond that. And that's, I think, where it falls down or where the, you know, where the employee feels like they feel undervalued or, you know, any, any employee data that I've seen um, from an employee survey almost anywhere always says employees feel, they don't feel as valued as they'd like. And I think that's, that's a big contributor to that is that break in, in uh, social contract, if you will. Yeah. And it sounds, it, it sounds absolutely correct what you're saying, because what people want is to trust each other. And if they're at work and people feel like they basically are just doing enough to help make the company more money. And if their managers or supervisors, their teammates, they're only communicating in a way that, that kind of goes to that, that money-driven motivation, you're only going to get so much out of a person. And what I love what you said, you said that the relationship is one where we legitimately care for each other. So what it, it tells me is it's not like you're going to go into a, a company and tell a bunch of, get in front of, in front of a bunch of managers and tell them, hey, use these keywords to help people feel better. Because people right. can see through that. That's why I think that what you talked about before, that trust is so important. Because what we're talking about, it sounds like what we're talking about in the workplace is kind of that we belong to the same tribe. And I know that that term tribe might be overused nowadays, but it's that kind of that true meaning where we have enough trust with each other that we don't have to worry about threats from within. But if we truly have that trust and legitimize that relationship of caring and valuing each other, then we can focus on being more innovative and focus on any threats to the company from outside because they're not really worried about each other. Is that what you kind of see when you go into these, these companies? If, if it truly has trust, are they able to focus more attention outside? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, a tribe, I, I love the word tribe. And, you know, as I think about tribe, it's it's kind of this, I belong to you and you belong to me, right? I mean, that it's it's at its essence about belonging and trust. And when that when that social fabric is present internally, it diffuses it diffuses a lot of things that commonly create, you know, lead to a lot of angst for us in the workplace. Things like um, feedback and social status and all of this, you know, all of this stuff where so much energy gets lost. And that's where so much of us, you know, if you've spent any amount of time in the corporate world, that's where politics, you know, the, the bad kind of politics gets, gets fueled from that. And when you, when you're in that really healthy relationship, you know, I think about it, you know, I think about it with my, with my wife, I always, you know, I always like to kind of grounded in personal relationships. Like I don't ever have to worry about, I don't ever worry about the status of my relationship with my wife. Like if we're doing the right things, which we try to do for one another in our relationship, I don't worry about the status. I have absolute trust in where we are. And I know that if that changed, that she would engage me in a conversation about that. So if she gives me feedback or if she is critical of me or something like that, or if, or if she fails me in some way or fails in some way, I don't, I, don't, I don't like immediately jump to conclusions about her motives or her character or anything like that. It's just, hey, something obviously happened, right? Tough break, something went wrong and I can shake it off and we can move on. We can move through that and repair stuff pretty quickly. 
when you don't have that trust, you don't have that belonging, those little things become really big things. And those big things take energy and time and focus away from the stuff that we need to do to perform, right? The, to keep the business going or to keep our organization performing for its whoever we create value for. So I think it is, it's critically important that having that relationship on healthy footing is everything. Yeah, I love what you said there too. I mean, you've got a lot of good value here because I think a lot of people out there can understand that if there is this kind of transactional relationship within the workplace, and say you do come up with an idea or an idea is brought forward, if you don't have that level of trust and that level of understanding that everybody values each other, either people won't say anything or if they do, it's taken the wrong way. But if you have trust in the organization, the same exact thing can be said, but the way it's taken is completely different. And so the path you're on can actually be toward a positive and be more constructive for the organization. But without the trust and without those values, it can go the opposite way toward the negative. So that, I think that's really valuable for people to understand. I think a lot of people get that. And so with that being the case, how have you been able to help people develop this level of trust and values within their workplaces so that they do have this stronger bond with each other to make the workplace more engaging and to actually increase performance? I, so a lot of my work is, is really about helping people think, first think differently or have a different understanding of the dynamics of the work relationship. So understanding what's actually going on, which is the stuff that we've been talking about, that this isn't a, this isn't a contract or a transaction-based um, relationship. It's more like any other relationship of meaning or substance in your life outside of any, you know, um, personal relationship that has consequence to you, um, like your best friend or a family member or whatever. And so I, I first try to help people understand and think differently about the work because then they can move into a different set of actions. And so when I'm speaking, that's usually what I'm talking about is like, let's understand work as a relationship. Let's talk about then if we want to create a, an engaging experience for employees that helps them perform at their best, that means that we need to make, we need to create a work experience for them that feels like they're in a healthy relationship. And so in order for that to be the case, we have to understand what is a healthy relationship, uh, what, you know, what are the, the elements or components of a healthy relationship, and then how do we do that at work? And so a lot of, a lot of what I end up talking about is grounded in stuff like how do, you, how do you do appreciation in a way that builds relationship? How do you communicate in a way that builds relationship? How do you foster you know, commitment? How do you foster support or how do you show support in a relationship? How are you, um, how are you being inclusive or accepting of, of people fully, you know, sort of seeing them as they are, not as the, as, as we wish they were, we hope they would be. And so when you, when you get people to start to understand those dimensions, and then I usually try to really anchor it back into, how they have experienced personal relationships because the work relationship can get really complicated and it's hard to think about that at first at scale because there's just so many things going on in the workplace. But if I can get you to think about these things, you know, through the lens of your relationship with your best friend or your spouse or even, um, even your children in some, in some circumstances, 
it's not always the same. The power dynamics with your kids is a little bit different, but um, but in a truly you know adult sort of two way reciprocal relationship, when you can anchor it there and think about, I use I use this this device or this sort of little gimmicky test that I that I will teach both when I'm speaking or if I'm doing management training or whatever called the relationship test, and it's pretty much as simple as saying. You know, thinking about the stuff that we do at work, whether it's interactions or meetings or how we're going to approach a conversation and sort of thinking through how the way that we're about to do that and then taking a moment to play out, how would that go if we used it in our personal life in a personal relationship? Right? Would it build relationship or harm relationship? And if the way I'm about to approach this conversation, if I did that with my wife or with my best friend, would make them say, like, have you lost your mind? then why would I ever do that to someone else, right? I mean, if it doesn't pass the relationship test in my personal life, then why in the world do I keep doing it to people at work? And I think there's so many things we do to people at work we would never do to the people we care about outside of work. Um, and so I think even at that very fundamental level, if I can get people anchored in that and understanding that and start treating people at work the way that they would treat anybody outside of work. I mean, assuming they're a decent person, you know, they're not an a-hole, um, <laughs> but assuming they're a decent person, if I can get them doing that and just thinking about like, I, I just, I'm going to treat people at work the way I would treat anybody in my life as if there was no power dynamic here that I just want to have a relationship with you. That that's magic. Like that's where it all starts. And, and when we can get that moving, all of a sudden you can start really seeing the dynamic and the engagement level start to change. And how important our conversations that we have at work. I mean, I, you just brought it up and we're, we're talking a lot about, sounds like we're talking a lot about communication. And you even said it that this relationship test is thinking through, will it help build a relationship or will it harm it? And one of the things we talk about on the podcast is appreciative inquiry and how change happens with every conversation you have and every conversation or every communication you have between people is either constructing something good or it's building something bad. I mean, it, it's, yep. it's one or the other. Is that, it does, do you see that happening when you try to help people understand communication, how it impacts the workplace? Yeah. The, the way that I, the way that I teach that, or I try to get people to think about it is that, you know, traditionally when we say communication, as you know, probably better than anybody, when we talk, when somebody says the word communication, we always think of pushing information at someone, right? Talking at them, pushing something out, sending an email, at least in the context of, of work, that's how we think about communication. That is not what we're talking about when we're talking about communication in the context of building relationships and driving engagement at work. And the thing that I the thing that I anchor it to is that at the end, you know, at, at the end of all of it, communication's goal, um, when you're a leader or a manager, is to uh, reduce uncertainty. It's reduce uncertainty and create greater clarity for your employees. That is everything. And the only way you can do that is by is through ongoing conversation. That is going both directions. That is give and take that is truly um, more of a dialogue than it is a transactional exchange of information. And so all of that stuff, and I mean, appreciative inquiry is a great tool for that. There's a ton of tools that help that, but the key is reduce uncertainty, create clarity because uncertainty kills relationships 
And as a result, then uncertainty kills um, engagement at work. So the more uncertainty we have, usually if you have a workplace that is really in, in disengaged and is toxic, it's because there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty about, you know, where do I stand? What's expected of me? What are our values? How do we do things about he- around here? How are decisions made? All of those things are, are left murky. And when there's no clarity and there's a lot of uncertainty, it's very hard to feel like you're in a positive relationship. And that same is true in your personal relationship. Um, so that, that's, a, yeah, it's critical. Communication is the lifeblood of employee engagement. Well, and for communication, I know you talked about all the kind of different ways we look at it and that one of the kind of shortcomings is that communication in the workplace a lot of times is from, you know, top down and single directional and doesn't doesn't open up for two-way communication or for kind of level playing field communication where different people in different units or different offices can talk openly with each other. Is that all stuff that's covered in your in your book also? Yeah, we get I get into that on some level. I don't um it's not a book specifically about communication, uh, but I I it gets broken apart in different ways. So I address things like clarity around, how do you create clarity around expectations, both uh, you know, work-related expectations, behavioral um, expectations, and how do you communicate around that? And how have organizations done that really well? How do you take, you know, communication exists on a lot of levels, um, but it also exists, you, you set the foundation for, I mean, you communicate things like, clarity of values and what do you know what matters or what kind of experience are we trying to create as an organization for our employees having a clarity about that and communicating that so that we can come back to that as a framework we can anchor our relationship or our future conversations in that in our values or in these declarations we've made and so there's a lot of discussion about that there's discussion about um you know ongoing how do we create um you know, how do we do a, a more positive cycle around what feedback looks like and making that into a positive exchange of information? Um, and how do we communicate around that? Um, so there, there's a lot of communication um, sprinkled kind of throughout because there's communication is sort of a part of almost everything when it comes to how we, we manage and think about the um, work experience of employees. And so, yeah, it's throughout the book. Well, and so this is a great segue because I really want to get into the book, Unlocking High Performance, How to Use Performance Management to Engage and Empower Employees to Reach Their Full Potential. Now, that's just the title. And when I'm looking at that, what I see is that you're looking at how you can have people, human beings, how you can actually change their perception, change their lens. It doesn't matter at what level they're at within the organization but how you can change the way they think, the way they communicate with with each other through engagement and empowerment so that both the person and the organization or the system benefits from that. So one thing, I mean, I know we talked a lot about communication, but the, I think the key to your book and the key to what you're doing is that you're not looking at, and it doesn't appear to me as if you're looking at it as, Hey, do these steps and it'll work. Uh, create this new software system, use this technology. None of that is in is really talked about. What really is talked about is dealing with the workplace as a place 
occupied by human beings, by people? Because it seems like this book is really people focused. Is that, is it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a book. So going back to the kind of where we started this conversation, the, you know, I make the argument at the beginning, kind of where we started. Um, the first part of the book is helping people understand, you know, how did we get here? Like, why is it that work isn't working uh, for a lot of people? Now, there are some exceptional organizations, and I share a bunch of case studies in the book from companies that are doing it right. And so it's not, you know, it's not all doom and gloom, but I would say a vast majority of employees are having suboptimal work experiences. It could be better. And so the first part of the book is how do we get here and what do we need to do? And the punchline is we need to redesign the work experience to feel like a healthy relationship for employees. So then the rest of the book is really about how do you do that? And one of the things that I think is super important if you're a manager or a leader and you're listening to this um, or or in HR, right? And you're responsible for the system or whatever. If you're if you're impacting the work experience of others, sometimes when we get into this conversation and we're talking about things like communication and relationships, people get they can get excited about that and we get focused on that, and then we we lose track of the fact that from a workplace perspective, the reason we're talking about all of this is to facilitate better performance. Um, and so it, it's to connect it back to performance. At the end of the day, if we don't perform, the, the company is out of business. We, I mean, the pump, company doesn't exist if we don't perform. That is our, the imperative of any organization is to perform. And so this is all about facilitating that. And so when we think about our systems of management or how we manage the performance of others, how, or how we set up a system to enable or facilitate or empower performance for people, the way that we can do that, the way we can finally kind of break through on this is that we design a system of managing performance that feels good to the employee, right? That creates all these positive emotions about working. So I feel, I feel engaged. I feel like I'm trusted. I feel like I'm cared for and appreciated. I get all of this emotional reinforcement. I feel like I'm in this good relationship. Um, and my well-being is taken care of and I feel included and accepted and all of this so that then I, I can show up and give the very best that I have. I have more to give because of the way that I feel and the energy I have. And then we have a system around that that helps point that potential, that energy towards the things that matter most. And that's where all of this work clicks together is that this isn't just a kumbaya kind of thing. Like, yes, it's good. We It's, it's an you know, it's important that we make employees or that we help employees have a good experience at work. That has ripple effects throughout their life. So that's really important. But it's also important that we amplify performance for the organization so that the organization can stick around and create more jobs and have a bigger economic impact for all the people that are involved. And so that's really, that, that's what the book is about. In the middle of the book is, is about helping people understand there's kind of three core sets of processes there that fall in these buckets, planning, cultivation, and accountability. And in each, I break out the processes. I talk, I share examples of companies that are doing them really well, but it's not prescriptive. There's not, I don't believe that there's one way of doing anything. I don't think there's a best, best practice. I don't believe in any of that. I think each organization has to tailor its own system to do this that works for their culture and their people. And so the book's kind of, the middle of the book's kind of like a cookbook. A lot of recipes in there. You pick the right recipes for you. And then the back of the book is how to sort of 
cook up the cook up the meal and serve it to the organization. So how do you put it together and then roll it out? So that's that's kind of how the book is in a nutshell. It's designed to be a, a, a book for people that want to move this to action, that want to make some things happen for their team or for their organization. So it sounds like this book is focused on human performance. And, and I really like what you said about it's not a kumbaya kind of thing, because a lot of times some of these self-help books or motivational books or something like that. It's a lot of that. But what you're saying is, look, you're not trying to, you're not telling people, hey, it's all Pollyanna and everything is great. And that's the way the organization looks at it. It sounds like what you're saying is, look, this focus on human performance and dealing with the needs of people as social beings where they need trust and to be valued and to have connections with other people doesn't change the fact that things are going to go wrong. It doesn't change the fact that there are challenges within organizations, but what it does do is allow more energy to be focused on performance, dealing with innovation, dealing with problems and challenges that come up. And maybe it even changes the lens from things being problems to the same situation now being an opportunity, but you do that through understanding people and understanding human beings and not saying everything will be, you know, rainbows and unicorns and puppies because they read your book, but that it's how you deal with it and the perception right. you have together of dealing with these issues within organizations. Is that kind of is that kind of the direction you were going with the book? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it is not. I you know none of this is easy, right? It's hard work, just like. Having a, an amazing relationship in your marriage or you're with a significant other or with your friends or with your family, like relationships are hard work. You have to put in the time. You have to sometimes do things that are hard, that are unpleasant, that aren't natural. If you run away from those things, the relationship suffers. That's what's been happening in organizations. We haven't been doing some of this hard work. And so it's not easy. But it's an immensely rewarding and it feels great when you do it, when you can stay in. And so, you know, when I, I wrote the book for people that wanted to do that, that wanted to build an organization or a team that feels great for the people and that amplifies performance for the organization or for the team, like both can happen. And it's not, it's not easy, but it's possible and it's worth it. And Again, you say feel a lot throughout our conversation, yep. and it brings me back to human beings that are, we're not rational decision makers, we're emotional decision makers, right? Like the parts of our yep. brain that light up when we make a decision, that's all, it's the same part where feelings are, trust and loyalty and love and hate and anger and all those things drive our decision making, which is why I really like this book because you've talked about organizations. You talked about the fact that, hey, a lot of organizations have this transactional thought process with their employees, and that is what translates into the experience at work. But then you also talked about, hey, to get exceptional, to, to create an organization or a company or a group or a team that's exceptional, you've got to get to the kind of like the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? The, the social motivators as opposed to the money or market-driven motivators. Right. And what I love about the book is it's not just the, the emotional side of it. It's not just the theories, but you also give kind of concrete information on how to operationalize dealing with human beings. Absolutely. 
Okay. Because that's the thing. Like you can get motivated. That's why every bit of content, content I create, whether I'm speaking or writing, I try to tend to start with, you know, the concept or the idea, illustrate with a story or an example, and then provide uh, guidance on how to do it. If you're moved to action, if you're moved and you're ready for action, you need to have some guidance. And so I try to provide a whole bunch of, of really practical approaches throughout the book that came from, you know, have come both from my experience and my research over the years, but also from different organizations I profiled that, you know, I unpack how they're doing it and why it works for them so that then a company can go, oh, well, you know, let's go try that and then we can tr- tweak it for us. And so absolutely. Well, that sounds perfect to a lot of people out there. I'm sure of it. So if they wanted to either hire you to speak, have you come in and do some management training, or if they want your book, how do they get a hold of you? How can they reach out to you for more information? Where can they get in touch with you? And what kind of services do you offer folks? Sure. So the the easiest way, you already mentioned the website, jasonlortzen.com. That's a great place to to find all of that stuff. You can email me directly at jason at jasonlortzen.com. Um, or if you punch my name into Google, you'll find lots of ways to find me. Um, as you mentioned, you, you sort of just did it. I, I speak at conferences and leadership events. I do management training for organizations. Um, and then I also do some, uh, I do some advisory or consulting work with organizations that maybe are, you know, that, that are committed to being a best place to work or committed to creating an exceptional workplace and, and think they're doing a lot of the right things, but just it's not, they can't get over the hump or maybe they've stalled out. I, I do work with those organizations to help them figure out um, how to refocus their efforts so that they can really uh, make some progress for their employees and, and then as a result for the performance of the organization. Yeah, and it goes back to what I tell people all the time. Like, hey, look, if you look at a, a knife on the table or two knives there, one is dull, one is sharp. They look a lot alike, but one cuts a little bit better. So it sounds like you can go into a place and actually do a little bit of consulting and they may have a lot of the pieces there. They just need a little honing to make them sharp. And that's one of the benefits people can get from from talking to you. Again, his website is jasonlortzen.com and I'll put that in the show notes. And Jason, I want to thank you for talking to us on the Crucial Talks podcast. I got a lot of benefit from this talk. I'm sure a lot of people out there also got a lot of benefit from it. I really wanted to thank you for joining us. And is there any other piece of advice you can give us or one, maybe just one little nugget from your book that somebody listening right now, as soon as they're done with this episode of the podcast, is there one thing they can do right now that can maybe change how they view their work environment? The one piece of advice I offer most frequently to managers or organizations, and this could work for an individual too, is that if you're not having regular scheduled one-on-one conversations um, as a manager with every employee on your team at least once a month, then you are not managing. Um, that, that is the most powerful, most effective tool of, of engagement, that one-on-one time. That's where relationships get built. And don't stress about what you're going to talk about. It, ask, ask more questions than you do talking and you'll be fine. But that one-on-one meeting is critically important. If you're not in management, you want to improve your work experience, request a regular standing meeting with your manager so that you can have some face time to build that relationship. But that, that, that one-on-one meeting is magic. Thanks, Jason. That is great advice. One-on-one communication. 
build the relationships, and that's where our strength comes from, comes from as people. Everybody out there, a uh, great book called Unlocking High Performance, How to Use Performance Management to Engage and Empower Employees to Reach Their Full Potential. You can't miss it. It's like a kind of a orangish background with white writing on it. It says Unlocking High Performance. You cannot miss it. Um, anybody out there, if you got value from this conversation we just had with Jason, if you get a chance, I'd love for you to visit my website at www.crucialtalks.com, but also please rate, review, and share the podcast so other people can get benefits from these conversations just like the one we just had with Jason. So have a great week, and remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.